0: Records were smashed and there's a new passing
1: leader in the state of Louisiana on Friday night, five-star plus quarterback Arch Manning went out and threw seven touchdowns, smashing his uncle and both of his uncle's records in one night. I am your host, Josh Newberg, and this is the inside scoop up first. We have director of recruiting Chad Simmons, Chad, welcome to the show.
0: Oh, happy to be back, Josh. Happy to be here.
1: All right. We're not going to start quite yet with Arch Manning. We're going to get into that with Sam Spiegelman. But first, I want to talk to you about five-star David Hobbs. He made a big visit this week. And actually, he went to two schools. He was at Ohio State and Michigan. What are you hearing on this?
0: Yeah, I mean, everything kind of happened quickly there. I mean, this time a week ago, it looked like Hobbs was going to be at Auburn uh, for the LSU game for an unofficial visit. Ohio State came in. With an offer early last week, and just like that, things changed. And then heading into the weekend, uh, it was thought that he would visit. Ohio State and come back home to North Carolina. But he went to Ohio State, left that game, drove to Michigan, and then got home, I think early morning hours on Monday. So uh, a very busy weekend for the new five-star out of Concord, North Carolina. And I'm hearing both schools made strong impressions. Obviously, uh, he spent more time at Ohio State, spent you know uh, over 24 hours in Columbus, going from arriving on Friday, staying through the game into the night, Um, Saturday evening, uh, meeting with Larry Johnson, Ryan Day, seeing the game day atmosphere, uh, getting a look around campus, then decided last minute to take a trip to Michigan, spent about five or six hours in Ann Arbor. So not quite the in-depth trip uh, that he had to Ohio State, but he left feeling good about Michigan as well. And I think both of those schools have given him something to think about. Uh, I mean, he has two OVs remaining, and right now they're locked in with two other schools, Alabama and Georgia. But uh, he did mention that he will think about, does he want to change those out or flip schools with that? Uh, But I think Ohio State and Michigan made strong first impressions. Ohio
1: State was obviously the primary destination for the weekend, but Michigan was able to get him on campus. Do you think that visit to Michigan was impactful enough maybe to secure an official visit down the road?
0: You know, I I would lean towards if one of these schools gets an O.V., I would lean towards Ohio State based on what I'm hearing fresh off this visit. Now, he did say he'll get back home, uh, take some time and talk with his family uh, about these trips and really how impactful they were. Uh, But if I had to pick one getting an O.V. uh, at this point, based on the feedback I've gotten so far, it would be Ohio State.
1: Okay. He was at Tennessee last weekend. We feel good that he's going to be back at Alabama at some point. Who do you think right now is the team to beat for David Hobbs?
0: Yeah, you know, depending on who you talk to, you hear maybe a different top two. But the one school that's consistent, regardless of who I talk to and which source it is, Alabama's there. Uh, and it seems like heading into at least this past weekend, going to Ohio State and Michigan, that Bama, you know, was the school trending at the top, you know, and then depending on who. I talked to, again, it goes to number two. Is it Tennessee? Is it Georgia? And really, could this weekend ha- have impacted that top two or three? Uh, I do think, though, based on what I'm hearing, uh, Alabama is probably the school still to beat right now. But let's let the dust settle on these trips. Let me have some time to talk to some families, talk with some college coaches this week, and figure out maybe if we're still hearing the same thing. But right now, I would still lean towards Alabama being that top school. With Tennessee and Georgia, right there we're still kind of waiting to see just how big those trips were to out to Oklahoma, I'm sorry, Ohio State and Michigan this weekend.
1: Yeah, we'll see if those impact his recruitment. On Thursday, we were able to catch up with you when you were making a special trip to the East Coast to see five star offensive lineman Samson Okunlola. Uh, he's a six foot five, 305 pound offensive tackle that is currently uncommitted. So you went to go see one of the top prospects in America that's still available. What did you learn about his recruitment?
0: We don't have to call him Samson, we just call him the pancake honcho. I mean, that, that's his name. He goes by it, you know, social media, he's trying to get some NIL deals around that pancake brand. Uh, but what I did learn is that I, I would say that Miami's still in the driver's seat. So is that really anything new? Uh, probably not. You know, he was definitely talked about as a potential Miami commit, you know, late summer. Uh, into July and August, he decided to hold back and not commit at that time. And here we are now going into October, still uncommitted, one of the top uncommitted guys in the country. Um, And I think Miami's still the school to beat. I think the biggest takeaways from this trip is he's likely to cut his list down one final time, maybe a final four, final five. Uh, He's looking into taking at least one more official visit, maybe two uh, to get him up to his five. Uh, and then make a decision. But he didn't rule out a decision really at any time. There's no set date, no set timeline. The biggest thing about Samson right now is all his games, the rest of this season, outside of one weekend in November, are on Saturdays. So his visits are very limited during the season. He's likely, if he does take an OV or two, or even an unofficial, is likely to come after the season. So if he wants to finish that part out first, before he commits, we're looking at probably a closer to the early signing period decision.
1: Okay, and that's great because we need some drama down the down the stretch. And right now, with all these guys coming off the board, we need as many five stars holding out as they can. Makes it more fun at the end. Let's go down to the 305, one of the most explosive pass rushers in the country. Miami Central's four-star edge rusher, Reuben Bain, was at Auburn this weekend. Now, Miami's making a huge push to keep some of these top elite prospects in-state. They've done a good job with Ruben Bain. They landed his teammate Wesley Bassaint last year, linebacker in the 2022 class. But seeing Auburn get him on campus makes me think with Miami slipping, is there a chance that other teams like Auburn, Alabama, Georgia could come in and maybe take him from the state of Florida?
0: Yeah, Josh. I mean, I mentioned it last week talking about you know Quay Russell and James Smith. I mean the Auburn staff's doing a good job connecting with these kids and really building those relationships. And these kids like that culture uh, of the people around Auburn. I mean, Reuben Bain took his OV to Auburn in the summer and, and everybody knows, everybody knows what's going on at, at Auburn and the chatter around Brian Harson and the uncertainty about his future on the Plains. But for Bain to go back on his own dime, spend basically the weekend on the Plains, just tells you the interest is legit uh, in the Auburn Tigers. There, there's no doubt that uh, Miami has some threats out th- outside of their state. Uh, of course, Florida State's in their state; they're a threat. Alabama is a major threat. Uh, you can't count Auburn out completely either. USC's trying to come in hard. He talks to Leakin and Riley multiple times a week. They may get an ov from him as well. But yeah, Miami does have the that the backyard thing in their favor. He did have an uncle that played at Miami. He obviously grew up watching Miami. He's very familiar with Miami, but this is not a slam dunk that is going to Miami. There is some competition there.
1: Yeah, and Ruben's another one that's going to hold out and not make a decision anytime soon. Who are you tagging as some of the likely destinations that he could take official visits to when he's ready?
0: You know, if I had to pick the two, you know, he took uh, Auburn, Alabama and uh, Oklahoma, in the summer, if I had to, to lean towards the two, uh, you know, I, I would think Miami, uh, even though it is a backyard school. And I, I would say USC, you know, right now, Louisville is a school to keep an eye on. Florida state uh, is as well. He's visited Louisville for a game already this year. He plans to be at Florida state soon. Uh, he's very close with Randy Shannon, who was a one-time Miami coach uh, at Florida state. So there's a connection there too. His uncle knows Randy Shannon really well played at Miami. Uh, so there's some connections out there, and Louisville loves to recruit You know, South Florida. He knows guys that have played there and that are there on campus right now. And then USC's coming hard trying to get him out to L.A., and I think that definitely appeals to Reuben Bain going from you know South Florida to Hollywood, L.A., seeing what it's like out there. And we know USC's playing at a high level so far in the rally this season. So if I had to pick two schools to get O.V.s, I would lean towards USC and Miami.
1: Well, there's a lot of really good programs that'll be vying for those two spots. A lot of competition there, and those final visits could tell the story of Reuben Bain's recruitment. Let's move on to Memphis linebacker commit Arian Carter. He's a four-star prospect, but he early on he committed to Memphis when he didn't have a whole lot of options. Welp, everything's changed since he put out his senior highlight tape, and he was at Alabama a couple weeks ago, but newly offer came from USC. Uh, what is Arian Carter thinking right now, committed to Memphis, but all these big time schools knocking at his door?
0: Yeah, you know, it's happened super fast, you know, for him and his family. I'll, I'll say that, you know, and talking to him and people in his circle, uh, you know, the, the word overwhelmed has come up multiple times on both sides. And just, you know, really trying to take it all in, um, get on the phone with all these different coaches from different schools uh, figure out, you know, does he want to take some unofficials first, then decide on official visits? Um, does he want to stay with Memphis or not? Uh, th- there's a lot happening day to day right now for Arian Carter, the new four-star linebacker from Smyrna, Tennessee. Um, but, but I do think, you know, I- Alabama has done a great job. You know, when they offered, they got him on campus right away, uh, spent time with him and his family in Tuscaloosa, meeting Nick Saban, Um, You know, I I don't want to say hearing Alabama's pitch, but 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 seeing what they're about, how they do things, how the program's structured in Tuscaloosa made a big impression. I think Bama's definitely a lock to get one of those official visits and the others are are still being fought for. I have a pretty good idea who may get some, but nothing's locked in just yet.
1: All right. Well, I'm going to I'm putting Arian Carter down on flip watch right now because it sure sounds like he's going to have some some choices to make when it comes time. All right, Chad, thank you for joining us on the Inside Scoop. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Sounds good, Josh. See ya. We are back on the Inside Scoop. Up next, National Recruiting Analyst Sam Spiegelman. Sam, welcome to the show.
2: Yep, thanks for having me, Josh.
1: All right, we teased it at the start. Newman High School quarterback, five-star-plus gunslinger, Arch Manning, went out Friday night and destroyed the record books. He broke in one, in one game, he broke both of his uncle's passing records. He went, uh, I have it right here. 17 of 28, 356 yards in seven touchdowns. Now, Sam, you've seen a lot of arch Manning over the years. How would you put this game amongst some of his other good games?
2: As expected. Um, we, we, we talked about the, the prime time loss he had on the road a week ago. Um, you, he doesn't have two bad games in a row. He's not that kind of player. He came back with conviction. He, played, he didn't even have to play the four quarters to, to throw seven touchdowns to I think four different receivers. Um, extremely efficient, just exactly what you would expect from Arch Manning after I think what would he consider a frustrating week four loss at Manny. He came back again on the road. Was absolutely efficient. He's distributing to a number of different weapons. He's playing without Will Randall, his top pass catcher. Like him, committed to the University of Texas. He breaks both of his uncle's records. Um, he's sitting in the fourth quarter. Afterwards, they they all but they they force him to take the game ball. He's so selfless. Um, and and from talking to people that were at the game, um, probably the best moment was just being with his family after the game. The records are are great. They're, they're an aside to Arch, but getting that win, getting back in the win column, kind of finding his stride in this offense, that's really what he cares about.
1: What do you think he's improved on most this season as a quarterback?
2: Yeah, well, you know, the one thing that, that I always look at with, with elite quarterbacks is do they plateau or do they continue to ascend each year? And this year he's, he's with a different offense. He's without his top pass catcher. He has the quickest release in all of high school football. I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback get rid of the ball, but the way he sees the field, the way he can't anticipate where his receivers are going to be, his accuracy, you know, you you don't see senior quarterbacks get rid of the ball so early and and place it right on the money every single time. He has great anticipation. Um, He just has a great understanding of of football and this offense. He sees things as they happen. He obviously is using his legs probably to the best um, that he's ever been able to to extend plays, to get outside the pocket, to, to you know get out in space and make defenders miss. He's been he's been running with football, and that's why he's close to so many different records because he's not only just thrown it at a high level, he's running it really well as well.
1: Yeah. Speaking on that, what other records are there left for him to break?
2: Yeah, he has most of them at this point. You know, both of the uncles are out of the way, um, but he is three away from tying former Newman quarterback Jay Tyler, who played wide receiver at Stanford. Um, for the all-time touchdown mark at Newman, that's passing, rushing, receiving, returning. And with four, he will then hold basically all the big records at Newman, the all-time leading passer, the all-time passing touchdown leader, and then the all-time touchdown leader, which I imagine, you know, he might not even need four quarters on Friday to get to. He's playing so well at this point. It it might just be just another hurdle en route to uh, where they ultimately want to be.
1: Everybody has a crazy uncle, right? Like in their family, everybody has a crazy uncle. Who do you think he refers to as the crazy uncle, Eli or Peyton?
2: I think, you know, personally, just from, from hearing stories over the years, um, I do think he is close with his uncle Peyton. Um, Every summer he goes out to Colorado and spends a couple of days out there with uncle Peyton. Um, When he was a sophomore, I think his dad Cooper Manning called it Peyton 101. So, you know, naturally after he committed to Texas, I checked in with Peyton, and he said that he – that Arch passed Peyton 202, so he keeps ascending in his courses, um, kind of like his Uncle Peyton. They're just kind of football junkies. They kind of, like, live off this stuff. They, they love, you know, exploiting matchups and watching tape and kind of, you know, reinvent the wheel, if you, if you will. Um, so I think they get along really well, and I think <laughs> it's kind of a unique relationship since we're all so familiar with Peyton Manning and, and his football knowledge to see the next generation in Arch is, is pretty astonishing.
1: All right, let's stay in the state of Louisiana and stick with the five-star theme. D- defense back Derek Williams, who's committed to Texas, is now planning a trip to Alabama. Alabama was a major threat to Landon before he committed to Texas. Is this visit significant, and what are you hearing about his recruitment?
2: Yeah, well, like you said, you know, Alabama was definitely the team that was trending on the on-three recruiting prediction machine before he popped to Texas. Um, that was days after his official visit to Austin, days after aforementioned Arch Manning committed to Texas. Um, Texas has a lot of momentum. They still have a lot of momentum with Derek Williams. He was on campus last month. He's got great relationships with Steve Sarkeesian, Terry Joseph, Brandon Harris. Um, the commitment is is still in place, but this has always been kind of a long game play. Um, Derek is, is fully invested in his senior season right now, and he's taking these visits. He's still you know checking those boxes exploring his options but it's it's far away from making a final decision this visit does loom large um Pete Golding is leading the recruitment for Derek Williams Pete Golding is you know he signed a player from New Iberia Westgate last year from Danny Lewis who was wanted by LSU in Florida um you know he's he's been the lead guy in Derek's recruitment for several years so I think that this visit has been a long time coming along with Alabama LSU Texas A&M, Miami are, are all still shooting their shot with Derrick Williams. He's a five-star safety. Everybody is wanting him to kind of you know, take a chance on him before he signs on the dotted line. I think this recruitment has a long way to go. I think there's still a couple of legs and chapters ahead of us, but Alabama is definitely a team to watch. They've always been a team to watch, and even though he's committed to Texas and comfortable with that, it's still Alabama, and they're still a serious threat to keep an eye on here.
1: Okay, you heard it here first, folks. Committed to Texas, visits coming, plus a final decision looming. So lots, lots left in this recruitment. All right, in the state of Alabama, there's a pair of five-star teammates, Quay Rousseau and five-star James Smith, both on the defensive line, and there's a battle taking place between the in-state teams, Alabama and Auburn. They've been to Alabama before, and this past weekend, they were at Auburn. Did Auburn do enough to make an impact on these two teammates?
2: Yeah, from from talking uh, to James Smith and Quay Rousseau, you know, after their game on Friday, from kind of getting the vibe of their recruitments, um, there seems to be two or three teams that are really sticking with these guys. Now, they were at the Plains over the weekend for the LSU game. They saw them put up a donut in the first half. Um, that Auburn defense was flying around, and, and they view James Smith, they view Quay Rusa as instant impact players on that defense. You know, Auburn is is trying to keep those guys home. They're the top two players in the state, and they're basically, you know, selling early playing time, you know, playing on an SEC defense in your home state. and. Um, that's why they're entrenched as a, as a serious contender. The other is Florida. Um, Florida will host both James and Quay for an official visit in two weeks when, when LSU comes into town. And um, Quay made some interesting comments about Billy Napier bringing Florida back, and we saw that over the weekend with another dub. Um, but really the, the vibe around these two with James Smith, with Quay Russo, is Alabama. Um, both were wearing crimson red gloves during their game Friday in Baton Rouge. Um, I'm talking to James afterwards. Um, the entire Alabama coaching staff is recruiting him. They've they've made no secrets about the fact that he's a top priority in the state at his position along the defensive front. Um, you know, he's a, he's a very mature kid that has a great self-awareness um, and, you know, kind of aware of his ranking, aware that everyone has eyes on him. His recruitment is so heavily covered. Um, but he talked about his relationships with Alabama, with the coaches, with former players. Um, Being from Montgomery, and and I feel good about where Alabama stands moving forward at this point in his senior season. And as with Quay, we know that, you know, on three's director of recruiting put in an RPM for Alabama with Quay Rusa. I got similar vibes. Like I said, Florida is really in it. Their turnaround has caught his attention. Auburn thinks that Quay can come in and play right away. But Charles Kelly, Freddie Roach, Pete Golding are doing a phenomenal job with Quay Rusa. You know, guys like Will Anderson have success, and, and they see the blueprint there. So like Chad following in his footsteps, I like where Alabama sits with both of these elite Alabama guys midway through their senior season.
1: But do you like them enough to put your pick in?
2: I'm on the fence. I need some more time. We don't want to rush anything. These are some high-profile guys, and there's some big visits ahead. This Florida OV looms large. They're in no rush to make a decision. But I think at this it's fair to say that the tide leads.
1: Okay, Sam. Thanks for all the intel. Oh wait, we have a little we have a little bit more to talk about. There's a new development happening right now. Four-star Texas athlete Mikael Harrison Pilot, who you recently put an RPM in about two weeks ago to Texas, you've now changed your pick. Tell the folks why and where you think he's headed.
2: Yeah, I went ahead to put a, an R- RPM in for, for TCU, which got Mikhail Harrison Pilot on campus again. Um, over the weekend for the Oklahoma game. We all saw how that game turned out, but behind the scenes, Malcolm Kelly, Brian Carrington, Sonny Dykes, the entire TCU coaching staff has been focused in on Mikael Harrison pilot for several years at this point. Um, Oklahoma had faded out at this when, when Cale Gundy left the team. Um, Texas had, had hosted him for the Alabama game. He raved about the environment in Austin. Um, and we see that Texas is still after several wide receivers, Um, But Mikhail Harrison Pilot has officially narrowed his his top teams down to two. TCU and Houston, where his dad Hmm. used to coach, he's been in Houston a hundred times. I think that TCU has a lot of momentum in the state. I think that they're viewed as somewhat of a surprise team. But, you know, TCU has a reputation and had under Gary Patterson. The fact that there's familiar faces like Malcolm Kelly there and Sonny Dykes and Brian Carrington who are at Texas at TCU at SMU. Now at TCU, they've kind of found their groove on the recruiting trail. They're doing a fantastic job with Mikhail Harrison Pilot, who again will not make a decision until December. So there's still some more visits, some more, uh, some more hurdles to jump through in this recruitment. But I think TCU made a significant move over the weekend, and now I believe that they're the team to watch as December looms.
1: That's interesting because we thought that when Jalen Hale committed to Alabama that this opened the door for Mikael Harrison pilot to be an offensive weapon for Texas. But now they're still going to, it looks like if it goes down the way you're saying, they're still going to be searching for that. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that, Sam. Thanks for joining us. And we'll talk to you again on Thursday welcome back to the inside scoop up next i have director of scouting and rankings for on three charles power we're going to talk a little offensive line we don't get to talk about the big men enough and on three has four five star offensive linemen ranked in the player 2023 rankings they are charles jagasaw who's committed to notre dame javen williams committed to penn state francis malagoa committed to miami and zelance hurd committed to lsu Charles, Power, who stands out? Who's really performing up to the five-star level this season?
3: Yeah, we, we think this is a great group, first of all. To have that many uh, five-star offensive linemen this early or at this juncture in the cycle uh, is, is very encouraging. I think just co- comparing this offensive line cycle to past cycles, it's just loaded with big framed plus athletes. These guys all kind of check the boxes from a measurable standpoint. So we're excited about the group in general. Um, you know, I, I think starting off with Charles Jagasaw, he's continued to show the skills that, that we liked to, to have him ranked so high initially this time a year ago. Um, plays both sides of the ball, offensive and defensive line. That's a theme you kind of see with a lot of these, these top offensive linemen. Many of them were defensive linemen uh, early on in their high school career and have kind of grown into that offensive lineman. Um, but just functional movement, uh, great base, balance. Uh, he doesn't play against the best competition, so he's one that we're really looking forward to seeing in the all, in the All Star setting. I think that'll really kind of show how he uh, compare or how he plays against just bigger defensive linemen. It's just not something we see a ton from him at the high school level. Um, Javen Williams has had some really exciting moments. The Penn State commit, uh, just some some highlight plays, uh, just individual. Uh, blocks and just his ability to get to the second level I, th- I think is is really special uh, at, at this juncture in his high school career. Uh, he just is is an, an exceptional mover, very strong. He's one of the top shot put throwers in the country and you can kind of see that burst and explosion on the field. He's also very young for the cycle too. I mean he this is a guy who turned 17 years old like basically a month ago so he really could be a class of 2024 prospects. And I think we're seeing his development just kind of continue to spike as he as he gets older Um, francis malagoa i would say of this group probably has the highest floor and that's in that like he he is ready to go physically 6'5 325 pounds moves very well plays top competition at img so he's less of a projection than some of these others like we really know what we're getting with francis malagoa and i think if i was going to place a bet on who of this group is the most likely to start as a true freshman, I would go with him. Uh, Zalance Hurd has supreme length. He probably is the the most developmental of this group given that he's played offensive line for one year. A former defensive lineman uh, who, who transferred schools, played one year of offensive line uh, as a junior, flipped over to left tackle this year. Um, I watched one of his games this uh, early this fall and it was a complete slop, mud fest, uh, probably one of the muddiest games I've ever seen. But he was physical, and, and I think it was encouraging to, to kind of see him run blocking in that setting too. So really a good group of five stars.
1: You've been watching a ton of film recently, and I just got to ask, is there anybody that's on the cusp of maybe adding to those four or five-star offensive linemen? Could we maybe see a fifth or a sixth five-star offensive lineman before it's over?
3: Yeah, it's going to be really fun to sort this group out uh, really in the next – a couple months and, and on into January when, when we put out our final rankings, but, but the two that I would highlight as uh, movers kind of on that five-star cusp, cusp range within the top 30 are Ohio State commit Luke Montgomery and Georgia commit uh, Monroe Freeling. So Luke Montgomery, I would say Luke Montgomery probably has the most impressive early senior video of any of the offensive linemen we've watched so far. Uh, he is just really taking the next step like many of these uh, a former defensive lineman who has kind of grown into an offensive lineman most of these guys still play both ways and Luke Montgomery does that too but He's playing left tackle for his high school and just phenomenal uh, with, with, with his movement skills, punch. Everything you see from him really translates. Uh, and, and he just kind of moves at a little bit of a different speed than these others. And one thing with Luke Montgomery I think that, that will help him get on the field early potentially at Ohio State is I think he can play all five positions on the offensive line, including tackle. Uh, we, we have him ranked as an interior offensive lineman right now, uh, but, but I think his – length and dimensions and just kind of getting more information on that i think he could play any spot on the offensive line so really excited about what he's shown so far and i think if he continues to play this way he will be heavily in the five-star conversation Uh, monroe freeling i think of all this group he really has an argument of having maybe the the most uh, translatable uh, physical traits and maybe if you're projecting towards the nfl he might be your guy Uh, just he's six foot seven plus 285 pounds has continued to grow into his frame great length big frame uh, you know 11 inch hands and he is highly flexible he might be the most flexible athlete of, of all of this group we've talked about so far uh, he's still developing in terms of his strength and his base but I watched one of his games uh, I think it was uh, last Friday and, and just very, very impressive with, with his movement skills. He's a bouncy, twitchy athlete. Uh, really has no problems at the high school level uh, with, with the guys he goes against. And they put him at, at defense, uh, defensive tackle on a, on pass rush snaps, and he w- was virtually unblockable. So I think a ton of upside with him. You probably might look a year or two down the road, and after he's in a you know a college weight program at Georgia, I think you could see him, him blow up.
1: Okay, now. We're about halfway through the high school season right now, which there's a lot of tape to evaluate, and you've spent countless hours in your basement or wherever you watch film. Um, who are some offensive line prospects that maybe not be on the cusp of being a five star, but you could see move up the rankings?
3: So, so three that have moved up in w- within the top 100, kind of in that in that group, probably from from 50 to 100, are Alabama Alabama commit Wilkin Formby. Notre Dame commit Sullivan Absher, and Texas A&M commit Chase Besantis. Uh, Wilkin Formby is is just a massive tackle. Uh, he's continued to grow physically. Uh, he's six foot eight, over three hundred pounds, and just swallows pass rushers. Uh, seen some encouraging physicality from him. So watching one of his games early in the season, and his helmet popped off, and he still pancaked the the, the defensive end. So uh, just you know, moving around, making plays, a really big. Uh, offensive tackle. Who, when you see him, he's he's a first off the bus type for sure. Uh, Sullivan Absher, Notre Dame commit, uh, plays in a wing tee offense. he's a little bit he's a little bit of a difficult projection as an offensive tackle, uh, but but his ability as a run blocker and just to get low uh, to, to get low as a drive blocker at his size at six foot six, two hundred ninety five pounds is is pretty unique from what we've seen. And Chase Bassantis is having a, a great year at uh, Don Bosco in, in New Jersey. Watched one of his games earlier in the season and just, just really a dominant high school offensive lineman. Uh, he plays left tackle at Don Bosco. I think he's more likely to play inside uh, long-term. And I would group him with Francis Malgoa as one who is highly likely or, or of this group maybe the most likely to get on the field early as a freshman.
1: All right. There you have it. The latest on the offensive line from Director of Scouting and Rankings, Charles Power. Thank you for joining us.